Hey, everybody. We're back. Hey, it's back to what the F was that. <laughs> and this show, I think, is the perfect definition of what oh, we do because God. this show is just insanity. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Um, I, I, I'm going to. Should we just jump right in? I don't know what overpaid executive decided to uh, run with this idea, but somehow they decided that Turbo Teen would be a popular Saturday morning cartoon. I don't know why. Yeah, this feels like either an executive came up with the idea or maybe they were just maybe like spitballing, like they had a bunch of stuff pinned to like a a, 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 a target and they were throwing darts at it. Yeah. Because this show makes absolutely no sense. So, okay. So the show is does one of those things that a lot of shows like back in the 70s and 80s did where it's like they would have the story of what happened beforehand. You got this kid uh, oh, yeah, named Brett Matthews. Mm-hmm. And... I guess he wasn't paying attention or whatever. He's driving and it's during a storm and he gets pushed off the road. But it was like on a cliff or something. Apparently because this tree branch fell and he just swerved off the road and into some (laughs) government laboratory. Just a random government lab with absolutely no security, no gates, no nothing. Yeah, it just barges right in in his uh, fancy sports car. And he gets caught in a ray, I think. Yeah, some kind of ray gun. It it fuses him and the car (laughs) together. Not like like a Transformer. It's not like Optimus Prime. No, that would have been way cooler. Okay, he's a boy, but he turns into a car, and like, it is the, okay, so when he's, he gets warm, he turns into the car, when he gets cooled down, he turns back into a human, and, oh my god, it is the most, it's not just the fact that the idea is really bizarre, but when you watch him transform. It is so creepy. Like this is like a horror film. I know the way his face turns into the front and end of the car. Oh my god! This is this is some kind of John Master wet dream right here. It's like he gets. (laughs) Oh my god! Oh my goodness! But see, another thing is his body, like it, like gets longer, and it's it's really creepy looking. And again, this is for children. I'm like, there's no way any child. Would like this. And they recycle it in every goddamn episode. So you gotta yep. you're forced to watch it every single time. Multiple times, in fact, in one episode. <laughs> oh, and like you're wondering like who the hell made this cartoon? Now, you might not know their names, but um this was produced by Ruby Spears Productions. They were kinda like I guess you could say, in a way, they were rivals to Hanna-Barbera. In fact, they even used to work at Hanna-Barbera, where they created a lot of mm-hmm. the popular franchises. Most notably, Scooby-Doo, yeah. Where Are You? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's why they copied it. And, like, you know, Cap- Jabberjaw, Captain Caveman, um, Big Fang. Like, there are so yeah. many Scooby-Doo ripoffs that, uh, made by Hanna-Barbera. Yeah, that and... Uh, Standards and practices for Saturday morning cartoons are starting to get real super strict, so they couldn't focus on the slapstick of their earlier Hanna-Barbera shows and had to come up with 
stuff that was more kid friendly. So they just repeat uh, that formula more often. Since it was, and that kind of make that does make sense. Yeah, because uh, when Hanna Barbera got the rights back to Tom and Jerry and tried to adapt it for a Saturday morning, it got shot down by network standards and practices because they could no longer replicate all the uh, slapstick and cartoon fun into the original shots because it was no longer allowed to be on TV. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. Like, they had this whole thing where they were like, oh, the cartoons are too... Like, that's always been a thing. It's like, oh, the cartoons are too violent. And then they changed it, but then it, like, kind of goes back, which is interesting. So, like I said, um, like, Hanna-Barbera, like, they were the OG cartoon guys. Like, they Mm -hmm. had not just, like, Scooby-Doo. There was so much stuff they made. And they kind of sort of, you know, like, if you watch um, Boomerang, the Cartoon Network... um, thing they have uh, that's like all the old cartoons it's mostly Hanna-Barbera oh uh, yeah they made a lot of like, shows for Saturday morning lineups and for multiple oh, networks yeah. in fact I mean mm-hmm. there was Huckleberry a time Hound, the Flintstones Quick Draw McGraw uh, Yogi Bear Top Cat Wally Gator they're, they've made and that's like not even all of the cartoons they made they were the like kings of cartoons back in their day yeah back then they owned about 80% of all time slots on Saturday mornings which was mm-hmm. insane oh yeah so th- so Ruby and Spears was founded by Joe Ruby and Ken Spears. And like we said, they worked with Hannibal Bear beforehand. They helped create um, Scooby-Doo. And since that, you know, did so well, it was copied into other cartoons. And again, most of those were done by Hanna-Barbera. So since, you know, Hanna-Barbera owned like 80% of the slots, like uh, Jad said, they decided Ruby and Spears wanted to create competition. So they formed Ruby and Spears Productions in 1977. They would later sell their library to Turner Broadcasting when they uh, merged with Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. Now, Jad, tell me what this show was trying to ride the coattails of. Knight Rider. For those of you who are too young to remember, Knight Rider was, was like a drama action show about this car that had an, sports car that had an onboard AI program named Knight Rider, who would solve crimes, catch criminals... And and he's and it starred uh, David Hasselhoff, aka Zardu Hasselfrau. <laughs> I, I call him that after Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, so uh, they tried to bank uh, out the success, tried to coattail to that at show while also trying trying to ride the coattails of teenage culture for some reason. I don't know because kids were obsessed and- with teenagers. Uh, for a time, I don't know. Oh why. yeah, but also the thing is, before we continue, I think this could have worked had he not turned into the car. Like um, maybe if the car talked like Knight Rider did, because Knight Rider talked. Uh, maybe they that had to uh, change it for copyright things. Otherwise, you know what? That might have been it. Yeah, like if it was too similar to Knight Rider, then they could have gotten sued. And that actually reminds yeah. me. Uh, the uh, creator of the Honeymooners, uh, uh, the guy who played Ralph, uh, he mm-hmm. actually, when the Flintstones first premiered, he actually considered suing them for copyright infringement because of how similar it was to the Honeymooners. But really? In, yeah, but I... in the end, he should decide against it because he said, and these are exact, his exact words, by the way, I didn't want to be remembered as the guy who got Fred Flintstone cancelled. 
Oh yeah, no, nobody wants to be remembered for that. Like that make I mean, trying to get a cartoon canceled sort of makes you an ass. Oh yeah, <coughs> and, <coughs> and especially <coughs> the Flintstones. <laughs> especially you know the Flintstones. So, mm-hmm. um, so let's see. Pat Fraley voices Doctor Chase, who is best known for the voice of Krang, Casey Jones, and Baxter Stockman in the original Teen Titans. No, cartoon. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. Oh, you're right. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. And he's also there's actually a uh, teacher of uh, voice actors. Oh, that's a, that's yeah. probably really lucrative for him. Oh yeah, definitely. And there's actually like some big name voice talent um, in this because Pamela Han- Hayden. Who voices Patty, Brett's girlfriend, it was is was Millhouse and Jimbo and Rod oh, Flanders yeah, she in does The a Simpsons. Bunch of voices for The Simpsons, so she's got. Is she pretty, still Millhouse? Yep, she's been voicing him since oh, 1989. That is, she's probably rich. She probably uh, never yeah. ever has to work again. If you and then okay, if you watch this show, you're going to recognize this voice. Brent, who voices the recurring villain, Dark Rider? Frank Welcome. Hey, none. Oh, other. <laughs> AKA Dr. Claw. Yes. It's literally Dr. Claw. <laughs> he sounds. I think they just said do Dr. Claw. They're mm. like, just just do Dr. Claw. You don't got to do anything special. He also voices um the dog. Rusty. Frank Welker yeah. is known for doing animal voices too. Oh, yeah. And, uh... Like, he started so much stuff. And another connection mm-hmm. to Hannah Barbera, I believe Frank Welker got a start there as the voice of Fred Jones in Scooby-Doo, which he's been... He was. He was the OG oh, voice of, Sco- still, of, a fr- of Fred. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he still voiced him to this day and eventually inherited the role of Scooby-Doo as well. See, the only two for, uh, times he's never been, uh, Fred was in A Pup Named Scooby-Doo, Scoob, and Velma. But he's been, like, the mm-hmm. voice of Fred since the beginning so yeah again really big name talent for something so stupid terrible <laughs> it's also not just stupid but when i was watching this did you find it like a little lame 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 oh yeah yeah lame. i found it yeah. uh, surprisingly boring for an episode can't answer I like no i d- if you're gonna be weird go balls to the wall or not at all this it's just Really boring, despite being so yeah, bizarre. Yeah, because I only watched two and a half episodes, and that was enough for me. Because <laughs> I thought uh, to myself, okay, I get it. it I get the shtick already. The second one, there's so much going on. But um, give me just a sec. I got to grab something from the oven. Jad, you go ahead. Okay, so the first episode I watched, I was focused on a turbo team being chased by Dr. Chate. I bet that, bleh, uh, the uh, Dark Rider. And uh, for some reason, when Turbo Teen ran over Nell, and when he referred back to his to Brett, <laughs> he he lost his shoe somehow, which had the nail on it. And which I don't know how that makes sense, but okay. And Dark Rider begins to suspect that they're both the same person, and his hellbent on proving it now, which is pretty much his thing now. We also don't really know why Dark Rider wants Turbo Teen exactly. Mm-hmm. No, nah, nah, a lot of I mean, things on his staff is it just, I don't know why. I like. We're also introduced to this French girl named Monique. And for some reason, a lot of these old cartoons were like obsessed with French girls. I don't know why. Yeah, it was mm, yeah, like a I thing for a lot of cartoons. Like every oh, uh, yeah. hot lady had to have a French accent for some reason. 
Yeah, and speak bad French. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, and also Monique's father just happens to also be a scientist. What a small freaking world! <laughs> I never noticed this, but, but like. There were so many cartoons like, oh, my dad's a scientist. Oh, my dad's a scientist. My, I'm like, do you my guys know how long scientist. it takes to book? <laughs> do you guys know how long it takes to become a scientist? Uh, I, and we're- I just saw something. Imagine uh, you are at the lunch table at uh, school and you hear all your classmates going, oh, my dad's a scientist. Oh, my dad's a scientist, too. My dad's a scientist, too. <laughs> and I just walk up to him and say, oh, my dad's an engineer. They look at me briefly before <laughs> moving away from me. But see, another thing is all these scientists apparently just have a lot of funding Mm -hmm. because they're running experiments in these massive labs. I forgot. I think Monique's dad was doing something. It was something with animals where Mm -hmm. they could revert to like their prehistoric forms or something. Yeah, the primal wolf-like states, apparently. Not sure why. Not Mm -hmm. sure how this would help anybody. But okay. (laughs) Um, and then Dark Rider, he followed Monique, so he takes Monique's father hostage and says, you gotta get me Brett Matthews, or I know I'll hurt your father. Now, this part, I think, kind of bothered me just a little bit, because this is something that I think bothers a lot of people, uh, yeah. where it's no communication. Mm-mm. Patty's like, where the heck is Brett? And Brett's coming, he's got some candy, and out of nowhere, Monique is like, oh, you brought me candy! So Patty automatically assumes... Like Brett is cheating no on her. Like, asked at all. He doesn't. She doesn't even get up and be like, Brett, what the heck is going on? No, she so just then Brett can be like, to uh, uh, cheat on him back, apparently with uh, Brett's yeah. bully. It's like I forget the character's name. He was in the first episode too, but like he keeps he hits on Patty constantly. He's just there to be a jerk mm-hmm. and sexually harass her. <laughs> And then, so, Brett's like, what? Okay, then I'll go with Monique. And I'm just sitting here like, you guys were not that far away from mm-hmm. each other. You could have just gotten up and talked to each other, but the plot must progress. Um, so, besides also Patty, there's uh, Brett's friend. Is it Alec or Alex? Um, Alex, the uh, talking black friend. I of course, like literally, guys. You know when you and, hear uh, that saying "token black friend," this is the token black friend. Like he is literally the perfect definition of a token black yep, friend. He's always found in slang he, and doing abbreviations, and uh, uh, he was. So, it was painfully clear that he was written by a white person. Like Jesus, oh, yeah. can go to Christ? Like, and I'm sitting here and I'm like, these people have never met a black person their mm-hmm. their entire life. Nope, they've never met one. It's just... But oh, he's also probably the smartest character in this show. I feel like he's the only person with a brain cell. Yeah. He also, I think, is like the mechanic. He, so it's like he's the one who's constantly fixing stuff. Mm-hmm. So they go to the... Um, dance. I think it's a uh, homecoming it's, dance. It's probably some kind of dance. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, non-specific, There's non-prom a- dance. There's I believe always I had one a of those dance as a or kid. a party. The annual mm-hmm. non-specific non-prom dance. <laughs> well, like, it seems like every show back in the day had some sort, like, there was always dance episode, either some yeah. sort of dance or party, yeah, and um, so Brett is there, Patty is there, and for some reason, what did, I think the bully said something, no, 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 Patty said, Brett, show Monique how you break dance or something, and oh. the bully then, like, goads him on, 
Now, again, like we said, Brett turns into Turbo Teen when he gets hot. And suddenly, it's his car just bopping around like it's supposed to be breakdancing. Like, it looks like a little kid that's playing with a Hot Wheels, pretending it's dancing and jumping around. That's what it honestly reminded me of. It does, actually, because also the, the thing is, is, okay, what gets me is, um, so he, he leaves, you know, the room, he leaves the gymnasium so they don't see him turn into a car, but <laughs> you see students, like, staring at this car, and I'm like, well, did they see him oh my God. T- change? I don't know. And they're just staring, like, what the hell is this? Everyone's so confused. But lucky for Brett, the school's pool just <laughs> happens to be right and next ha- and to the gymnasium. happens to have a pool as well. <laughs> yeah, this it's a nice school. school. I mean, because this it's big. It's got a pool. Yeah, this world has a lot of convenient coincidences. I'll say that. And then Monique, he changes back. Monique leads him to the theater, and she even apologizes. Like, I'm sorry, I have to do this. And who shows up? Dark Rider in his mm-hmm. monster truck. Yep. Once again, we don't know why he wants Brett, but he does. Thankfully, Patty and um, Alex save him. Yeah. And they confront Monique, and she tells him what's happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy tries to intimidate Brett by using that barrel thing on a bunch of dogs to intimidate him and to oh, make yeah. him convince he's to make him admit he's Turbo Teen. And uh, then Patty and Alex show up in a cardboard cutout replica of Turbo Teen. And <laughs> this is after the the parade. Oh, they have a parade shit, to a lure parade. him out. All uh, right. Also, I don't. I, we mentioned this, but um, Brett has a dog named Rusty. Oh uh, yeah. And I don't know why oh, Rusty was at the parade. I forgot about this. I don't part. know. Why he brought Rusty and thought it was a good idea because Dark Rider uses Rusty as leverage. He kidnaps Rusty. I felt sorry for the dog. I was like, so nothing better happened to this dog. <laughs> I don't care about Brett. I care about Rusty. <laughs> but then, like Jed said, he took him to the lab where that doctor was mm-hmm. to use that formula. Oh, yeah. And, uh, shit, this episode is just so surprisingly boring. I'm. I'm starting to remember what happened next. Fuck. Yeah. I think they go... Oh, yeah, they go to his house. Um, This part is weird because he turns into the car. While Rusty is dragging him down the stairs. (laughs) And his mom is like, Brett, Brett, is that you? And I'm like, lady, do you not hear a car inside your house? (laughs) Like, I know it's the 80s. Um, you know, like, logic in these cartoons is not a thing, but I've never had to stop and question why no one's paying attention to anything or understands what's going on. Your kiss is as good as mine. It was seemed to be like a law that every character in Ace cartoon had to be brain dead. Oh, yeah. I honestly think probably the characters from Scooby-Doo were, like, the smartest characters mm-hmm. in cartoons at the time. Yeah, and... That was quite a bar to set, not a low bar to begin with. Yeah. Like, basically, the end of the episode has, um, you know, I, th- I think it's, oh, here's my thing. I think the reason this cartoon didn't work, besides being really bizarre and boring, is watching a car do all this stuff is not that interesting. And it also, a car can't do that much. Like, the thing about Speed Racer 
It was the racing that was interesting. Oh, yeah. This is just a car. Because, see, I don't know if you watched the um, the first episode, which was called um, Someone Was uh, Kidnapping Turbo, Turbo, was trying to kidnap Turbo Team. Because, once again, they went to that, that government lab, just walked in, and found a file that said Top Secret. The file wasn't locked up or anything. It's just lying there. So they picked them up. It's like, oh, Brett Matthews is Turbo Team. This will make us rich somehow. <laughs> And again, I'm like, how? What What do you plan to do with him? Mm-hmm. I'm like, the funniest thing in the first episode is, okay, Turbo Teen's being chased by these thieves, right? So you think he'd go to the police, right? Yeah. Nope. Oh, no. He goes, you want to know where he goes? Oh, yeah. To the mall. Oh, damn it. He drives into the mall and he can't stop his car. It's, you know, swerving around. There's thankfully no people in the way. But thankfully, at the end of the mall, there's an ice cream store and he crashes and the ice cream gets on top of him. Yeah. It's like, again, despite this being such a bizarre and weird show, it is so oddly boring. Uh, and this show didn't last long. It only had one season. No, and one season of thirteen episodes. And uh, there was one ep- episode I watched that took place south of the border. I don't know if you watched it. And oh no. And yeah, you can see uh, how the eighty Saturday morning were. Mm, let's say insensitive, because <sighs> yeah, like. This is one of the hardest things about this show because when we watch a lot of the old like cartoons, there's a lot of racially insensitive mm-hmm. stuff, as well as like some outdated sexism and also a lot of fat phobia, oh, like yeah. so much. Yeah. And for some, this was another thing. There was a lot of obsession with like Mexico uh, for some yeah. reason. Like again, almost every single show had an episode about Mexico. Like there's an episode of Gem. Where they go to Mexico to film a music video. Oh yeah, and there was that Kinder Hill episode as well. Mm-hmm. Only, uh, I mean, that was progressive compared to this shit. Cause, uh, mm-hmm. uh, when and Turbo Teen gets separated, he somehow loses his memory, and when he gets crashes into this. Fountain and gets called. These kids saw him and they could have sworn he was a cop, only he doesn't remember. It is smaller Mexican fillets being uh, terrorized by uh, this uh, a cartel of gangs and who are trying to uh, try find a Native American treasure. Only they don't refer to it uh, as Native course. American. <laughs> and that was also another thing. The treasure was always in Mexico somehow. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, let's see what else, uh... And there were a few scenes that didn't make sense. Like, I don't know why they decided to have Turbo Teen lose his his memory. It didn't even last that long. And, uh, when they try to infiltrate the game by pretending they want to join them, and Brent has to armor this one guy... And his he's getting so sweaty that his hand gets warm and turns into a tire, and that's uh, how he beats him. Like, okay, so he can just turn parts of his 
his body into a car. It doesn't have to fully morph into one. Okay, they're just throwing that in. So why not? Yeah, they didn't. Ex- they didn't explain that at all. So it's just yeah, because usually his whole body turns into the car. Uh, and one, I can't remember anything else about that fucking episode. But uh, I only watched half of the next one. That. And if you thought we were done with the racial insensitivity, you thought wrong. Because this next episode takes place in India. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, well, the government tells Brett and his friends that uh, one doctor uh, was looking up an an archaeology discovery. But comes across this ancient uh, uh, claw-like artifact. But when he puts it on... It apparently there's a curse that uh, turns him into an ancient ma- criminal mastermind. And, and when they arrive to India, they, they meet the, the uh, archaeologist's son, who's basically uh, Marty from Johnny oh, Quest. No. Only without the, the turban. I think that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. And, oh, God. This episode left such, such left absolutely no impact on me. I'm struggling to remember what happened. God, you guys think yeah. we're joking? But this show was just really underwhelming. Again, despite being so Bat- weird and bizarre. Yeah. The first time I ever heard about this show was from a sketch on Robot Chicken. If I'm gonna be honest, mm. don't know if you. I think that's where I heard about yeah, it too. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh. I mean, that skit was more memorable than his whole fucking show. Like, what the well, yeah. hell? See, because I think that they were sort of making fun of it mm-hmm. and treating it more like a terrifying thing because it is. You have this human who is turning into a car. Mm-hmm. And it just looks really uncomfortable. Like, even, I think, again, like, this is not something that a kid would find entertaining or fun to look at. Like, honestly, I feel like we just don't have a lot to talk about because not only is there not a lot of history on this, mm. there's, like, no fans of this. At all. No. There's parodies of it. Uh, but that's kind of it. Yeah, you can see what little impact this show left on Saturday morning. And on this Again, fucking I'll- podcast. Like, good <laughs> God. It, this fucking show couldn't even help us uh, stretch nearly half an hour goddamn hour like that's yeah and 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 again only had one season like you know some like not every single show got you know um a bunch of you know seasons but i mean some of them it like lasted much longer than you know this did there was like you know Flintstone lasted a very long time, but this show just left no impact on the pop culture zeitgeist in any way. It's amazing. So how do you think this stacks against all the other stuff we reviewed on this podcast? You know, I think the thing is, is like, you know, Angel's Egg was weird. But you know what? I felt like there was some effort put into that. Catnapped is weird, but there is a plot, a story, and a progression. It's just, this is, despite being so weird. Yeah, I remember someone once said that there's no such thing as a bad idea. It's all about execution. And this exactly a good execution. This would really work better as a horror film. And they kind of sort of did that in Futurama. 
Oh, well, you know, Bender yeah. gets turned into a werecar. Oh, yeah. I forgot that they were also inspired by this. Yeah. That's a funny episode. It's probably, like, it's really memorable. It's just the thing about Turbo Teen, the execution leaves you really bored and confused and questioning a lot. I would say I'd give this a one. Yeah, I still insist that Donkey Ali is so far the worst thing I've ever watched for oh, this yeah. podcast. But even right now, Donkey I feel Ali, like Donkey... It at least was at some points while it the novelty did wear off it was so bad it was hilarious at times but this mm -hmm. has left nothing on me like it wasn't even a so bad it's hilarious thing it was just bland yeah. and boring and you know like donkey ollie right right now that is probably the worst thing we have watched but i at least feel like with donkey ollie they were trying you know <laughs> if you want to say that <laughs> Yeah, I just felt like there was no effort put through this. I felt like nobody actually cared. So, yeah, I'd give this a one. Yeah, I'm giving a goddamn one, too. And honestly, we have a lot of news to get through, so let's move on. Gotta get the sad to. stuff out of the way. Oh, yeah. First, this really, made, this really upset me. Richard Belzer, Detective Munch from Law & Order SVU, has unfortunately passed away at age 78. Aww. He also was a stand-up um, comedian, too. I didn't know that. Yeah. And see, what I'm... um, So he started on Homicide Life on the street and then went to Law & Order um, SVU. He died early Sunday in his home in Blues in South France. Writer Bill Sheft, a longtime friend of the actor, told The Hollywood Reporter he had a lots of health issues and his last words were, fuck you, motherfucker. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, he also, yeah, he also used to be on Saturday Night Live. Wow. I can't really, see, I think my thing is I can't imagine how, like, his co-stars um, are feeling right now just because they've worked with him for so long. You know, he mostly was um, with Ice-T, um, Ice-T's character, Finn Tutuola. Like, the, they were sort of, like, the characters that were usually together so yeah this is just really sad he was somebody who i really loved watching on the show because he was sort of like um i'm trying to just sort of describe munch's character he's like this older jewish detective who remembers what it's like back in the old day but he's also super smart like he can talk to you about all these like sorts of um subjects and so and he also has a heart too there was this like um ongoing plot where he was friends with this um girl who was like i can't remember the character's name but it was played by um marley marley matlin mm -hmm. the famous deaf actress yeah. and it was it's really good it was really good i'm just i'm i'm sad that he's gone i really um hope his family the best oh yeah me and my mom used to watch law and order all the time so this one hurt all right you want to do this one jed because you added this oh yeah dark Horse comics is set to premiere a new horror comic book series, Hairball. Now, hmm. you know what? Uh, sometimes cats can be jerks, right? Oh, yeah. Well, this comic book wonders, what if your cat is plotting to kill you and your family? Hey. Ooh. Focuses on a girl named Anna, uh, whose cat begins uh, to... Be acts, let's say, strange. Like when she's in a bathtub listening to music on a SoundCloud, 
the cat it just knocks mm-hmm. the uh, electrical speaker into the bathtub, slices, oh, scratches at his dad's throat, even chews <gasps> on an electrical cord on a lamp, causing the wires to be exposed and sets the house on fire. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. And, uh... This actually sounds interesting. And, uh, when it cuts off hairballs, instead of hair, it's this weird fungal-like like, stuff. Oh. See, I'm reading, um, what the... I think this is the, the writer? Hairball was written, but yeah. He said, um, it... He's taking inspiration from Japanese storytellers like Junji Ito and Hayao Miyazaki, and I'm like, oh, that makes some sense because um, Jinji Ito, despite being like, you know, a horror uh, aficionado, he really loves his cats. <laughs> there's a there's a comic book that is all about him and his cats. And it is so funny because he and his wife adore the cats and they like fight for their mm-hmm. affection. So I'm like, this actually makes some sense. So this actually sounds like it could be really interesting. And I kind of like the cover. You have this cute little gray cat. It's looking at you. He's got but, wearing a bow tie. But, uh, and by its feet is a severed finger. <laughs> <laughs> so this actually looks like this could be really good. I'm always up for new horror. Oh, uh, yeah. It's set to uh, debut okay. in April, on April 5th, by Dark Horse. Okay, so that's pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Now, this was also something you added. Disney may start walking back quick Disney Plus release for theatrical movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yep. Uh, I wonder why. Yeah, maybe because having a bunch, having a two hundred million dollar movie be streaming only isn't exactly a, a viable <laughs> option for a film studio. I also feel like a lot of people saw this coming mm-hmm. because, like, this is it's, it's it follows the two underperformances of Lightyear and Strange World, and that makes a lot of sense. Because, like, Strange World was a movie they didn't really advertise on that oh, much. No, not at all. I maybe saw one trailer for it. I didn't see any posters or ads on like YouTube or anything. And then Lightyear just was very underwhelming mm-hmm. from what I understand. I didn't even bother. Um, that robotic cat was the best yeah. character though. Unironically, I'm saying that. <laughs> like, it was basically she. Well, yeah, you love cats. Yeah, it was basically she mixed with one of those uh, robotic pets that used to be on the crates. <laughs> so. Yeah, they now these two films, um, Wish and Elemental, are coming out this year. June is when end, June sixteenth and November twenty second, respectively. Yeah, it seems like they're going to keep them for longer runs, which is a smart idea. And I think another reason they're doing this is because um, Push and Boots, The Last Wish, has done really well at the box office. Uh, yeah, it goes like four hundred fifty million worldwide, despite uh, oh yeah, it's the uh, release of bigger movies. He's and mm-hmm. also it had an amazing hold strong. of this, yeah. And what he was film mm-hmm. goes about half a billion. They had a budget of about one hundred fifty million, while the last one only has mm-hmm. a ninety million dollar budget, which is cheaper compared to uh, the films by Disney and Pixar. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing is, like I said, I used to work at a movie theater. The kids' films, the animated films are some of the bigger money makers because you know it's something you can do it's inside like if it's a rainy day you can go take the kids but also like let's say maybe you're a teenager and you're going on your first date there's no way your parents are going to let you see like an r-rated movie so you go to the animated movie you know so 
It just has been really weird with how they've been handling not just the releases of their animated films, but also the live action films, because apparently Ant-Man did the latest Ant-Man movie didn't do that well or not as much as not as well as they wanted to, I think. Yeah, it had a steep drop in its second weekend. Really? Yeah, it goes $100 million on its opening weekend, but on its second weekend, it goes about $35 million. Wow. You know, I think they might have, they maybe should have also not released it while um, the second Avatar movie was out. Yeah, that was such another problem. Because they... Yeah, I mean, I know they own it now, but they kind of sort of, like, stabbed themselves in the foot here. <laughs> yeah. So this di- is not surprising. This makes a lot of sense that to me. and with how they're uh, focusing on streaming, it seems like Family Says got accustomed to the convenience of, hey, it'll be mm-hmm. on streaming within a month. No need to go. And, like, the thing is, I feel like when it comes to a lot of movies today, some of the movies... When you see them in the theater, it's like, eh. But there's certain movies that when you see them on the big screen, it's an experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I saw Spider-Verse in the theater, like, multiple different times. I saw it with my friends. I took my fiancé to see it. I took, like, my nieces and nephews to see it. Because I thought it was worth seeing it on the big screen. But some of these films are not worth seeing on the big screen. That's like, eh, you could just wait until streaming, you know? Yeah. Seems- All right, you want to read this next one? Because you also added this. Oh, yeah, and uh, Kevin Feige, I think that's how he pronounce his last name, uh, The uh, who's overseeing the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Marvel Studios as a whole. <laughs> Supposedly, he wants a higher position at Disney Studios in general now. Like, supposedly, oh. he wants to move on from Marvel and focus on other uh, stuff for Disney. So... That's an interesting rumor. And, uh... That is. It is amazing how they almost lost him because of Ike Perlmutter. I'm, like... Oh, yeah. I... I couldn't believe that he would get rid of the guy who made the MCU massive. Like, even though I have issues with the MCU, I have to give it to Feig because he's made... He's made good choices. Mm -hmm. I might not agree with all of them, but I don't think anybody was expecting the MCU to be like it is now, you know? Yeah. He, and I will say this. Go ahead. So Feige wanted to focus on more diversity in the films. He's been uh, yep. trying for years. He's been gunning hard for Black Widow, Black Panther, and Eternals, mm-hmm. only for Pullman to shut him down. And Marvel. Um, during his time at yeah. Marvel. Like, again, I have some issues with the MCU, but I have none with Feig because he said he's like, I had been trying to get Black Panther into the MCU. Like, I was like, why the hell, you know, did we get um, Ant-Man and Thor before Black Panther? And someone said, well, if you look and see, you'll see why it took so long because they showed me like the article about Ike Perlmutter. Like, somebody actually said we need to bring Ike Perlmutter. I'm like, are you kidding me? Jesus Christ. He would destroy the MCU. There's no way Disney would bring him back. Yeah, and that's why... Especially uh, after the lawsuit. Uh, yeah, and that's especially why uh, Perlmutter and Bob Iker are not on good terms at all. I mean, I'm kind of not surprised. I mean, Bob Iger's not stupid. Mm-hmm. He, kn- he wouldn't risk the MCU 
or like Disney's image by continuing to interact with Perlmutter or even consider hiring him back. Yeah. I will be honest. Um, I actually think Fee like doing some other stuff in um, Walt Disney would not be necessarily a bad thing. And to be honest, it kind of makes sense because I think, how long has he been the head of Marvel? Oh. Uh, He's been the head of Marvel for a while, um, hasn't about he? About a decade, I think. Yeah, I think he's getting bored. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I kind of don't blame him. Because, mm -hmm. um, like, I mean, I think the thing is, is, you know, you can only do the same thing for so much before it gets kind of tiring. Uh, like, I, he seems like he's in a rut with Aunt Marvel right now. Well, see, that's also why I think both um, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans were like, you know what, we're done. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, Chris loved being Captain America, but he had been in like, what, six, seven movies, I think. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I think he was just like, I, 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 we know Robert Downey Jr. was tired. You can tell like after Iron Man 3, he does not want to be in those movies. He's just mm -hmm. going through the motions. So, I mean, I'm like not surprised that he gets like, I kind of want to move on. So, you know, if he does, good for on him. This is another thing you also um, shared. Uh, Whoops. Oh, yeah. I didn't mean to uh, press play. No, I... Okay. Multiverse peak player count plummets to below 1,000 amid content drought. Oof. Yeah, that's a PC that's release, by good. the way. Ooh. Yeah, so. You know what? Yeah. It's that makes some sense. November since they added a new character. Uh, it's November? Yeah. and Oh, my gosh. And right now they're focusing on bugs and maintenance at the moment, and no word on oh. us when the next season three will be and what new characters will be added. So there's been no teasers. No, so mm, that makes this is fair for William you know, sign. You know, I also think the whole thing that happened with uh, the Rick and Mo Morty, uh, what's his name? Just Justin Roland. Justin Roland, yes. I think that might have might have had a small impact on this just because maybe some people were like, you know what? I can't really look at the character or something, but you know, if they haven't really released anything new or even like given some teasers, I'm not surprised that people aren't playing it. Yeah. And it's surprising considering all the uh, hype and uh, fan base it had. Mm hmm. Also like you have overwatch to um, Valorant and um, apex. I think it's apex legends. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have some competition, so they need to step up their game or they're in trouble. Yeah, hopefully uh, they'll announce something soon, but I think it's starting to think Fingers their crossed. game such a surface bubble is starting to pop. Well, also, you know, there's all this stuff going on at Warner Brothers. Like, if you're like us, mm -hmm. we follow a lot of cartoon news, and I think Warner Brothers might be on, on the road to some problems just because... Um, mm -hmm. Things are not going well for them right now. Mm. They keep dropping projects. Like just this week, they announced the that Scooby Doo show with the pups. They're not moving on forward with that. Someone released a like a Scooby Doo Superman crossover movie that they scrapped. Like, yeah, I kind of am not surprised that Multiverse is having issues too. Yeah, unfortunately, that, and despite all the sucks. problems, they're uh, proposing raising cent initiatives for chaos off in the sector so they can find ways to. Oh, oh. increase cash flows like we we our company needs more money what do we do pocket that money in our own pockets like 
Fuck off, They Sassler. do realize this is not gonna... <laughs> this is not gonna end well for them. They do realize that, right? Oh, no. It's gonna... Like, our friend... Okay, go ahead. Um, my... One person assumed that Sassler is now treating Warner Brothers like... Like, using the last days at Warner Brothers as his own personal bank account. It then plans mm-hmm. to uh, sell it for a quick buck. Yeah, I think that's what John said. And I'm like, you know what? That would make some sense. But also, he's kind of ruining his, like, um, reputation. Mm-hmm. So, like, after this, no one's probably going to hire him. And I just, with the way he's, like, handling money, I would not be surprised if he, like, ends up spending all the money he has, like, within a year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, now, this I didn't know about. I'm really happy uh, that Jad added this. He follows, like, attraction news. So, I'm always mm-hmm. happy to hear about this. Um Full menu and opening date for Roundup Rodeo Barbecue and Toy Story Land has been released. This looks really, really good. Oh, yeah. This is supposed to come out this year? Yeah, it's coming out. It's opening March 23rd at Disney Hollywood Studios. Specifically, the Toy Story Land section. It's a full sit-down restaurant. And it's a prefix meal. with uh, So you pay for it already. And the menu... It's pretty much a help yourself experience where they give you a, a lot of barbecue and your choice of fixings. And it's gotten, I don't know whose idea it was to make barbecue the next big thing at Disney World, but I am happy about that because I love me a good barbecue. Oh, yeah. Oh, who doesn't? And also, it says it's going to offer vegan items. So if you have someone in your party who's vegan, they'll still be yeah, able to you eat can, something, uh, which is fantastic. You can swap out the traditional barbecue meat eat basket with uh, a vegan option, including uh, that's a, smoked that's cauliflower, great. plant-based bratwurst, uh, impossible oh, meat rib chop. That actually sounds really good. And uh, That sounds actually really good. And, of course, your choice of desserts as well. And I'd be willing to try that mm, forky desserts. cupcake, personally. That does look really good, and the little forky cookie yeah, looks so adorable. cute. Ooh, lemon and blueberry cheesecake, apple pie. Yeah, this actually look. I'm getting hungry just looking at this. But see, um, I know some people who like have like food allergies and stuff like that. So I am always happy to see big companies who are like, we're going to op- offer some other options. Because I have a friend who couldn't eat meat. It would like make her violently sick. Oh yeah, Disney. Uh, so this is you know great to yeah, see. Yeah, Disney's been trying to be more inclusive with their dining options by offering more allergy friendly and vegan options to a lot of their restaurants and even good. snacks at the theme parks. Yeah, which is good, just because you know, um, I don't know. Like so I was saying, it's like, is it just me, or we see more food allergies? And someone's like, I think it's just we understand it more. So the thing is, it's not just it's like not becoming more commonplace. It's just we. We understand it more so we can catch it earlier. So, yeah, this actually looks really delicious. I cannot wait to go back to Disney. Uh, same me and I already went. Uh, oh, yeah. you. He was on vacation for, I think, like, what, two yep, weeks? Yep, two weeks. Uh, first vacation in years, if you can believe it. And it's like the 100th year anniversary, so there's a lot of like cool stuff mm-hmm. going on. But man, the food looked so good. Oh, yeah. Good. I went to the Festival of the Arts at Epcot, and they had all those food boots around the world showcase, and it was amazing. That's what I want to do. Because, see, I had never gone to Epcot, and I think one year my mom and dad maybe have gotten like special tickets where we got a ticket to go to um, 
Animal Kingdom, and then we got a ticket to Epcot. And Epcot, I think, is like my second favorite Disney uh, theme park. So I really want to do the thing with the food because, I mean, I really love that park and I love food, so it works. Yeah, there's a lot. There Now was I'm some, actually excited. Oh, oh go ahead. There's also a lot of construction so, going on at the world, at the uh, Future <gasps> World oh, section yeah. because they were making some progress on that Moana walkthrough water attraction. Yeah. Um, was there any construction at the main Disney parks? Because they are like uh, adding stuff, and I think they're taking down that Tom Sawyer land. Oh, I I saw. Um, let's see, they were making progress on the Tron Lightjacker coaster. It wasn't open, but I could see okay. them running tests from Tomorrowland. Uh, yeah. Nothing about like, Tom Sawyer. I remember Sawyer on when we did the like that. Um, that there was that one time where each like episode we had to do different parts of the Disney. Um, Like that Disney Expo they did, and there was a whole thing about how they're adding um, a Zootopia land, a Moana land, and I think an Encanto land. Wait, no, no, no. One of them is a Disney villains land. Yeah, at, if uh, I remember correctly, uh, it's content off for the most part, and they don't. We don't know if they go through with it or mm -hmm. not, but they're proposing getting rid of Tom Sawyer Island and replacing it with three different lands: one based on Encanto, yeah. one based on Coco, and one based on the Disney villains. Yeah. which would be amazing. The Disney villains things is they should have done that a long yeah, time ago. And if anyone even still visits the Tom Sawyer Island these days. That's what I was going to say. because I don't have anybody like, Oh my gosh, I love Tom Sawyer's Island. I have never seen anybody say that. Yeah. And I think people went there even less when they stopped surfing frozen lemonade and fried chicken on that Island. Yeah. I probably would have loved to. Oh, and I did <laughs> see they were making uh the progress on the, uh, Giannis by your adventure by removing a lot of these Splash yes! Mountain elements and it was cute. You can even so on the uh, Walt Disney World Railway when they talk about it, they tease how she's almost there. Oh, that's cute. Okay. I'm just wondering what they're going to do with those leftover animatronics. Do you think they're going to scrap them or try to use them again? Uh, I can see a few of the anima animatronics working in the uh, new uh, update. Like Yeah, it's just some of them are so old yeah. that it might not be worth like using yeah, them again. Yeah, I can imagine um, instead of how do you do the singing going down the bayou. Yeah. Okay, now this I hadn't heard of, but I'm excited about this. Jad, it's your turn. Well, Bloomhouse Productions, and it's best known for uh, producing several um, new iconic horror movies, modern horror classics. Oh, The Purge. The Purge. Insidious. Um, Freaky, Get Out, Happy Death Day, and uh, Glass. the remake of Invisible Man. Mm -hmm. and, that one was really mm -hmm. good. And they're now entering the horror game industry. Ooh. Only this isn't going to be based on any of the movies. Instead, they're teaming up with developers to create new original horror concepts. Which is smart. Mm -hmm. Like, really, really smart. Um, you know, like, if you're not into horror, I know, Jad, you're not You can get scared really yeah. easily, but you still like horror, yeah, right? I'm trying to get more into the genre. I mean, I love The Fly. Uh, I'm trying to think of uh -huh. what the last horror movie I watched. Uh, I really feel like Blum, Jason Blum, who started this um, production house, has been sort of like a savior for mm -hmm. modern horror. Because, well, like, the thing about like each genre of film and stuff, there's always issues within all of them. And one of the issues with horror, like the horror genre, there's so many remakes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like, remember when the, the Dark Universe franchise with the mummy bombed. 
they, God. Hey, you know, first I asked Jason Blumhouse to see if he can fix it. But he said, you know what? How about instead of trying to make a cinematic universe, you just do standalone own adaptations in a modern timeline. Thus, we got the remake yeah. of The Invisible Man. Which, and that was really good. Yeah, I heard amazing things like, about extremely it. Extremely good. I saw it with my friends. I have like a lady geeks group. And the reason we all liked it was like, you know, this is sort of how it's like for women in real life without the invisible man. But it was really, really good. And see, I agree with Bloom because you can take the stories of like Frankenstein, um, the mummy, Dracula, and retell the stories. It's not that hard to do. Hmm. But also, I can imagine them trying to be like, Jason Blum, please save us, because that was a colossal failure. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, um, I think this was like maybe after the first Avengers film. A lot of people were trying to copy Marvel by having their own cinematic universes, and um, it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> Like, uh, I remember in the past, at early days of universes, they did do crossover with their horror franchises. And that would have been fun. Yeah, it seemed like it would have made sense, but uh, as an action cinematic universe, it doesn't seem inviable. Yeah. Well, see, and the thing was, is just, it started with the mummy. And from and now, th this was also when I was working at the movie theater. There was someone who walked out of the film and said, can I just pay for my food and leave? And I was like, is the film that bad? He was like, oh, no. he literally, he was like, yeah. And I was like, wow. So um, I got to see movies for free. I was planning on seeing it and I decided not oh, to. <laughs> I think I dodged okay. a bullet. So yeah, I, oh, go ahead. Uh, I heard that, uh, Originally, before Doc Pictures, they originally uh, tried to reach out to Guillermo del Toro to see if he'd be interested in being the creative director, oh which would have been amazing. But he rejected it, and he said uh, that he kind of regrets that decision. Yeah, who knows? Maybe one day he'll get a chance to do it again. Yeah, but it seems like this um, modern retelling and might be working because that Rainfield teach I saw looked interesting. Like Nicholas Cage um, is playing Dracula and uh Yeah, this looks it looks interesting and kind of funny. Play. Now see, I was um now for those of you who also maybe are new to our show, I'm a big Five Nights at Freddy's fan, and Bloomhouse is doing the adaptation of Five Nights at Freddy's. So it's like they already sort of have some they'll have some experience with video games. So I think, yeah, I think this is a really good um a really good step in the right direction. And see, I just went on to Twitter. I, I just, this was just news today. Dead by Daylight is getting a film adaptation oh. from Blumhouse. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, like this is news Damn. today. I just found it. That will be interesting. And the good thing is there are original, like, um, horror vi like villains that they created for that game, so they don't have to rely on, like, um, Ghostface and all that. So that could be really interesting. Ooh, ooh, we got some really exciting news. We have a lot of news about this today. Oh, Teenage Mutant yeah. Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, unveils full voice cast. And Woo! the teaser trailer. Oh my gosh, that teaser trailer. Oh yeah, it looked amazing. It, I'm so it looks excited. Like a, a sketchbook came to life, which I love. Yes. Uh, it's so cool looking. And you know what I really like about this? They got actual teenagers yeah, to voice the a, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
I know. Like people have been like, wait, is this the first time they have actual teenagers yes. voicing the it's like, oh my god, it is because like all the times they've done it, it's been adults. And as much as I like love some of the other, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles shows, it is kind of weird they've never had teenage voice actors. That's super bizarre to me. Um, let's see, Micah Abbey will be Donatello. Shaman Brown Jr. is Michelangelo. Nicholas Cantu is Leonardo. And Braddy Noon is Raphael. Then we have Hannibal Burgess, who is a really great comedian, is Genghis Frog. Rose, is it Byron? I'm not, I hope I'm saying her last name right. Um, as Leatherhead. John Cena as Rocksteady. Rock Rock Oh and my god, of, that's going to be amazing. And Seth Rogen, who's the executive producer, is Bebop. Oh, that is going to be such great. Oh, that's going to be hilarious. I hope they have good chemistry. Um, and then Ice Cube is Superfly. Natasha Dimitro as Wingnut. She is in that sh- the show um, What We Do in the Shadows. And she was also the voice of Calla Maria in the Cuphead show. Oh, interesting. Um, I'm going to try really hard to pronounce this right. Ayo Idibri as April O'Neil and Gennaro Esposito as Baxter Stockman. Post Malone is Ray Fillett. Paul, Rowe, Paul Rudd is Mondo Gecko. Maya Ruboff as, as Cynthia Altram. And then, as Jad said, Seth Rogen is Bebop. And you're like, wait a minute, who's going to voice Master Splinter? Jackie Chan! Well, none- Yes, yeah, that dude. One this is like such me. a great cast. Yeah, it's been a while. I think since he's been in anything too. Yeah, because I think he kind of took like a, a, a he's like stopped acting and stuff mm-hmm. for a while. And I know a lot of people were kind of like, "Oh, celebrity voice acting," but here's the thing: these celebrities actually know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I've heard them in like I've heard them voice stuff, and Jackie Chan has vo- been a, like a voice in a lot of stuff too. So like. These are, like, actors who I have some actual, um, like, faith in. Like, this is not, like, the Mario movie thing with Chris Pratt. Like, these are people who I think know what they're doing. And the, the, the teenagers for the te- the turtles they, sound really, really good. Uh, yeah, they sound um, genuine. Um. Mm-hmm. And also, before anyone complains about April being black, she was black in the original yeah. comics. Shut up. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh my god. I've seen so now, many racist is... and fat phobic posts about it. Oh dear it's god. So well, also, she was already black in the most recent TV show. Did they forget about that? Uh, apparently. Uh, so, all right. We're going to move on. Yeah, before I um, get angry. You want to do this one, Jad? Okay. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. And uh, HBO Max might have a really massive hit on their hands with The Last of Us. As the show has been streamed for over a billion minutes so far. Damn. Yeah, and... Uh, I don't think this will be enough to save Warner Brothers, but that is good. That is really and, good. Uh, the uh, TV ratings have also been good as well. Like, when the first season premiered, it had about, about half a million viewers. But in the, by the second episode, it had 1.5 million viewers. Which is impressive. It's, it's very rare for a show to actually gain viewership after its premiere. Incredibly oh, rare. Oh, yeah, that is true. Because it usually is the other way around. The viewership goes down. Mm-hmm. But I think since this show is based off like probably like a very popular video game, mm-hmm. 
It also stars Pedro Pascal, who everybody loves. And he's also, he's basically, it's basically like the man, he's playing the role of the Mandalorian because he's taking, it's another grumpy dude taking care of a kid. (laughs) I really need to play the game. I just, I've been avoiding it because I heard it's going to make me cry. I heard the same thing. (laughs) And I can be a crybaby. Like, this is a game that, like, I think everybody universally loves, so it only made sense to make a show. So I'm not really surprised that the show is doing so well. And, uh, and plus, I mean, I love Pedro Pascal. So. Oh, yeah, he, he was playing the Mandalorian. And uh, fun little side note about The Last of Us. It originally started life <laughs> as a remake of, as a new Jack and Daxter game. Or rather, a reboot of Jack and Daxter. Really? Yeah, newcomer Neil Druckmann wow. was uh, brought in to work as a director. By that point... Right, uh, the founders of Naughty Dog left, and as the family for Uncharted oh, and two wrapped up, I they see. split the family team in half. One half would work on Uncharted hmm. 3, while the other half would work on the Druckmann for the Jack and Daxter reboot. But there was a problem. Oh, okay. Druckmann was struggling to get into the project. In an interview years later, he said, and I quote, We had to ask ourselves a very important question. Why are we doing this? Because... We were pat for marketing reasons, naming something Jack and Daxter when it's clearly not Jack and Daxter. Or why are we doing this? Because mm-hmm. we're really passionate about our franchise. In the end, we felt it was more like marketing. We just want doing stuff as to what fans yeah. really want from a new Jack and Daxter. So Night Dog told him he could mm-hmm. start from scratch and tell whatever story he wanted. Thus, The Last of Us was created. That was probably the better mm-hmm. option, too. Cause like again, The Last of Us has got so like it's it. I think it won some awards. I think it like was voted like best game of the year when it came out originally. Mm-hmm. Like it, this is a game that has a very big fan base and continues mm-hmm. to do very well. So it uh, seems yeah. like at this, the, at, as I said, this was the better option. I really can't wait to watch it and play the game. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh. So I added this because. When was this? I can't remember when they released this, but was, um, new yeah. clips for A24's Has Been Hotel has been released. Now, they're not very long clips. They're pretty yeah, short. Pretty gifts. Now, um, for those, like, again, if you guys have not listened to the show, we've talked to, we mentioned Has Been Hotel before when they released some new art of the overlords. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a YouTube series. It started out on YouTube. It's a, yeah, and it's the started creator, out as a pilot on YouTube, and Mm-hmm. It somehow, despite Very the uh, anti-animation algorithm of YouTube, it's got a lot of notoriety on the internet. Like, when back in the mm-hmm. days of Tumblr, if you kids even still remember what Tumblr is, you couldn't scroll <laughs> past, go on your dashboard without seeing GIFs and fan art of Haspen Hotel. Yeah, mainly it was of Angel Dust and Alistair, if <laughs> I remember. Yeah, Angel Dust um, got and, them uh, fluff right titties. Now- <laughs> and right now the pilot has 83 million views it's been it it was posted three years ago it's yeah it's it was kind of you know a big deal now what i've uh, found interesting is i was taught i was looking at some other like has been fans there's a few still on tumblr not a lot but um we they're like why haven't they released a trailer yet because this is supposed to come out this year we're yeah. already in March, and they haven't released a trailer yet. However, like, last week is when they released the trailer for the, you know, new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. We were talking about it. This is also going to be sort of a big year for animation, because we've got a new pic. we got to think, uh, we got the new Pixar film coming out. 
we got Disney's like new um, animated film coming out, which is about the Disney wishing star. We also have um, the se- the sequel to Spider Verse, which everyone's been waiting mm-hmm. for. Plus, anime is coming back in a big way, like a big way. We are getting the second seasons of Jujutsu Kaisen, Chainsaw Man. Um, oh shoot, what is it called? Oh, uh, it's another really popular one. I just had it in my head. And my Hero was, Academia? Uh, oh, yeah. My Hero Academia is coming back. I think it's season six or something. Um, also, you know what is getting a movie this year? What? Bleach. Oh! Bleach is getting a new oh, movie. Oh, right. Is that the Thousand Year yeah. Blood? No, wait. That's the sequel series. Uh, yes. Oh, oh Some, it is a I movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Spy X Family, which exploded is also getting a second season plus next month is the third season of demon slayer and uh and um i just thought what? some funny because uh i think i told you before how uh disney bought the streaming right to uh my hero academia and beats a thousand year blood war right hence yeah, why they're on hulu that. in north america but uh since hulu mm-hmm. isn't a thing in a lot of countries it's on disney plus star which is these uh, add-ons here for Disney Plus adds mature content from the library. Oh. And uh, because of that, they uh, created an anime tab for Disney Plus Star that adds where you can see uh, Beats, My Hero Academia, or the other anime they uh, got the streaming rights to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just found that hilarious for some reason. Well, yeah, because I mean, when you think of anime, you don't think of Disney. Yeah. Because they also lost the street, they lost the rights to the um, Hayao Miyazaki movies. They used to have them. Mm-hmm. They don't anymore. So, also, like I said, um, Demon Slayer is like my favorite anime currently, and they're introduced. They like um, they're uh, bringing in two new Hashiras: the Mist Hashira and the Love Hashira, which is the girl, which is Mitsuri Kanroji. She's like the. There are only two female Hashiras. She's the second one. And she's kind of like, you know, the, the, the cute one. She's got really cute hair, big old eyes, big boobs. And so it's like, I think what A24 is doing is trying to figure out the best time to release this trailer. And I'm starting to wonder if uh, they even have a streaming network to be on or not. See, that's another thing. Um, despite like me having sort of mixed feelings about this show, I do want it to do well just because... We don't have a lot of good adult animation, but that is something that that is a good point because they haven't released if this is going to be on YouTube or if they're going to do streaming. And we have no idea which streaming platform it would go to. But we know for, I mean, we know it wouldn't be Disney Plus. There's no, no way they would take maybe Aspen I'll, Maybe Hulu. But, uh, it, uh, maybe. Yeah, but uh, with that uh, little demon uh, adult animated series that got. They might be worried, they might be one noted, they have two adult animated series based on... Uh, that, that, that makes some sense. And I will just say this, that like, you know how the, the Christians already freaked out about Disney? Mm-hmm. This show, when it comes out, the Christians are going to oh, lose their mind oh, because I'm it's like... to it. <laughs> one of the characters is a gay prostitute stripper porn star he does all the sex work all the time he he's constantly hitting on people like the the, the cursing in this show is like the, also is the main the, character there's no Charlie is bisexual and she's in a relationship with oh, yeah. uh faggy i think her name is like in the uh gibson yes. it made it more clear than in the pilot that they're a couple 
Oh, oh yeah. Cause of, like she's like Maggie's holding Charlie and stuff. And like there's no way the Christians would, you know, accept this. And I think Disney would probably be like, you know what? Rory and Hunt Water with them. Let's not take this. I could maybe see HBO Max taking it. I'm Netflix, maybe. I don't I don't I don't know about Amazon Prime, but um right now they're just like I was sort of just I'm like, how come they only release these little clips? Don't they have anything else? Well, possibly because animation is a very long and tedious medium to work in. That is true. We also, I will say, I think, I kind of like, um, they showed some, like what the angels are going to look like. Um, and it also seems like the animation's a little smoother than it was on YouTube. I mean, again, this was like the first thing I think they officially made. Um, yeah. So yeah, like the show. Uh, sorry, I was just gonna go say the show is co-produced by uh, Bento Box, who's best known for their work mm-hmm. on Bob's Burgers. Yeah, and this is also like A twenty four's first um, like foray into animation. So it's like, you know, I'm a little nervous for this. Like, I want it to do well, just because you know I want A twenty four to do more animation, just because like I feel like right now A twenty four is the best place to go if you're like an independent oh, creator. Definitely. Yeah, so um, from what I've seen, I also really do like Charlie's new design. I feel like it kind of suits her better. Oh, yeah, she's Instead adorable. of like... Oh, yeah, I like how they did her hair, too, the big braid. Mm-hmm. I also just... I feel like it looks much better. So, yeah, I'm just waiting for the trailer. Hopefully, it'll come out soon. Knock on wood. Yep. Okay, you're next. Oh, I haven't watched this yet. A new trailer was released for the Haunted Rent Mansion reboot. And... It actually looks decent. Yeah, I'm just not too keen on seeing Jared Leto again. Yeah, I know. It's like they had such a great cast and they just had to add Jared Leto. Yeah. Why? I don't know why. But thankfully we got Danny DeVito uh, to balance it out. And Jamie Lee Curtis and Winona Ryder. Oh, oh wow. They, they got a lot of much better actors in this. Yeah, okay, they've got Jamie Lee, Winona, Owen Wilson, Danny DeVito, Rosario Dawson, Tiffany Haddish, Lakeith Stanfield, and Hashem Jan. I'm not sure. That name sounds familiar. I'm going to maybe, I'm going to check. But, like, it kind of does seem like, oh, this guy was in Selma, straight out of Compton, Sorry to Bother You, and Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and he was in Knives Out. I knew he looked familiar. He was in the first... Um, yeah, he was in Knives Out. So it kind of does seem like they sort of were like, you know what? We'll just put all these other really great actors in the movie. Maybe they'll just forget that Jared Leto's <laughs> in it. <laughs> uh, this is an anti-Jared Leto podcast, guys. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> okay, we also... This looks really cute. Uh, Got a teaser for a stop motion Pokemon series called Pokemon Concierge. So it's, it follows the story of Haru, a concierge at the Pokemon resort and her interactions with Pokemon and owners who visit as guests. And it looks really cute. It showed this really adorable little Psyduck. Um, He's all furry looking. This looks so cute. And I think it's going to be on Netflix. Thank because yep. just about everything Pokemon is on Netflix these days. Oh, yeah. I mean, say what you want about Netflix. Managing to get the Pokemon license was smart. Oh, definitely. 
Alrighty, so next we're going to be looking at the winners of the 50th Annie oh, Awards crap. because me and Jed, massive anime animation fans, if you can't already, already tell, and this was a really, last year was a good year for um, animation. Um, let me see. Okay. <clears throat> All right, so let's see who we got. So Guillermo del Toro's uh, Pinocchio won best collected picture. five prizes. Oh. Let's yes, see. including best animation, direction, character animation, music, and production design. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Fuck, said Del Toro, as he and Gustafin <laughs> took the stage to accept the directing award. I hope to stay with you as peers with this beautiful, beautiful craft we have. He noted that he has been directed for 30 years, and the most creative ideal field group I worked with is animation. Oh god, I love Don't you just love oh, he's Del Toro? He's, he's so, amazing He's perfect I mean, not only is his work is amazing, oh, but he's just an amazing person in general Oh yeah Because he also had this huge speech talking about how Animation is a Medium, not a genre Which of course made mm-hmm. a lot of people Happy because so many people disrespect Animation as a, as a medium And it, you know, pisses people off Okay Marcel the Shell with shoes on, which I still have not seen. I believe that's another awards, A24 movie. Best... Yes, it is. You are correct. Included best independent animated feature, voice acting for Jenny Slate, and writing for director Dean Fleischer Camp, Slate, Nick Paley, and Elizabeth Holm. It means so much to me to be accepted by this community, said Slate, as the team accepted the best independent animated film. She quipped, and I agreed with agree with Guillermo del Toro. I also wanted an Annie really fucking bad. <laughs> I really, I've seen such, I, I saw the trailer for it. It's about this little tiny um, shell that has like one eye and these little shoes. Uh, yeah. And it's trying to like find its it family. It looks so cute. A couple of you videos she made on YouTube following her and everyday oh. life. And one that caught me up is how Marcel had like a dust bunny on a leash that she liked to pretend was her pet dog. <laughs> Oh, that's so cute. Also, um, Jenny Slate has been voiced like been voicing in a lot of stuff. She is a comedian. Um, but she was in um let me see, she was in Zootopia as Dawn Bellwether, the the sheep. She was in Secret Life of Pets as Gidget. She was also as um she was a voice of Harley Quinn in the Lego Batman movie. Um she was in Despicable Me Three, and um she also had a role in Everything Everywhere All at Once. And she also that's who it was. I was trying to remember. There was a character she voiced it a lot, but I couldn't remember who it was. She is the voice of Tammy Larson from Bob's Burgers. Oh. That really annoying oh, bitchy girl. That was her. Oh my who's god. In the same... Yep. That uh she she's a really great voice actress, so I'm glad she's getting some recognition. Now, next is of Puss in Boots Last Wish collected two Annies for storyboard storyboard storyboarding and editing. Oh, yeah. And also, all three of these films are nominated for the Best Picture Oscar, along with Turning Red and The Sea Beast. Um, now, for animated short, The Boy, The Fox... No, The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse collected four Annie Awards for Best Special Production, Character Animation, Directed, and Editing. Now, let's see. Now, they also do something called the Windsor McKay Awards. Now, for those of you who don't know who Windsor McKay is, he was sort of, um, he's considered to sort of be like a, you know, a legend in the world of uh, comics. Do you remember something called Little Nemo? Oh, yeah. 
That was him. He created that, and uh, he cr- he also yep. did a lot of black and white uh, shots as well back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, also made a uh, short called Gertie the Dinosaur, which was like kind of one of the like it's considered to be like one of the best animated movie, like one of it's like an important cartoon. It is the number six of the 50 greatest cartoons of all time. And that was voted by like people in the animation field. Yeah. It's like one of the earliest animated oh, films. Yeah. The way it worked is that the Goody the Dinosaur cartoon would be playing on screen and McKay was set up on stage, pretending he was the uh, dinosaur's handler. And mm-hmm. uh, so <laughs> that me that's why the awards are named. That reminds me of something on this guy uh, posted a video of some theater, and instead of having sets, they just had, like, this uh, movie projector screen saying, This is mm-hmm. a future stage. No other production has ever done something like this. And do you know what I said? Goody the Dinosaur would like to what? have a word with you. <laughs> yeah, we know better. We know our history, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, the Windsor McKay Awards are... Um, they do them each year at the Andy Awards, and they are people who have, you know, done massive contributions to animation. So they were presented to three different people. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, three different people. We have um, three-time Oscar winner mm-hmm. and Pixar CCO. Um, I don't know if I'm saying and Pixar CTO Doctor TV series creator Craig McCracken, which I kind of surprised he has a one-one. Yet, I thought he would have by now. I mean, I thought he would have won one already. And Evelyn Lambert from the National Film Board of Canada. Unfortunately, Evelyn has passed away, so she won this postmortemly. Um, but I will say, if you guys get a chance, you need to watch Craig McCracken's like a substance speech. It is so sweet. Wow. I almost started crying because he like starts talking about his mom, and I was like, oh gosh, it was just really sweet. Wow. Okay, now let me see. I think that might. Um, uh, I believe you I added that, this Yeah, I think one. that's all of it. Popular K, mm-hmm. popular K-pop band. Oh, yes. Uh, we just got a Lego set. Now, who exactly are these guys, Rudy? <laughs> okay, so... I, okay, now, if you don't know what K-pop is, I don't know where you have been hiding for, like, what, the past five years, but it's, you know, a genre of music that has gotten really popular. And I would say by far the most popular K-pop group is BTS. Now, BTS is a bunch of just... Now, I, I'm just going to say, it's a bunch of really, really, really pretty Korean boys who are also really good dancers and good singers. They put them together and created... BTS, also known as Bulletproof Boy Scouts. It consists of Jin, Suga, J-Hope, RM, Jimin, V, and Jungkook. Right now they are on hiatus, but they are probably, I would say probably the most successful, like, K-pop band, like, probably, um, like, boy band, because, like, girls have gone wild for them. Like they have such a dedicated fan base. They have done a bunch of other endorsements with Puma, with uh, Hyundai motors, LG electronics. Um, they also, um, uh, see recently, um, I play the game cookie run kingdom and they did something with cookie run kingdom. So you can get cookie versions of BTS in your game. Oh my God. They also, Yes, you also um y'all you know who Megan the Stallion is, right? Mm-hmm, of course. Uh, there's her. They made a song called Butter. 
And Megan liked it so much, she added a verse verse to the song. And at first, I, I can't remember if it was, I think it was BTS company. It's like, no, 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 she can't do that. But BTS were like, uh, we love this. And this is amazing. And they played it, you know, when people started hearing it, it's like, oh my gosh, I love this, this version of Butter. So the company was like, well, I guess we can't really get rid of it. And she even, um, they were doing a, um, like a show somewhere. And to surprise the audience, they had Megan come out and perform her lines for, for Butter. Like the, the audience didn't know she was going to be there. The audience freaking lost it. They're like, oh my gosh, Megan and BTS. Oh, wow. So yeah, like, um. In November 2019, Billboard ranked BTS fourth on their top social artists of 2010, making them the highest group on the list. They also ranked number 45 on Bill Billboard's top touring artists in 2010. It's like, right? You know how, like, the Beatles were really big? Oh, yeah, of course. They're kind of like that. how the Beatles were back in the day. They are super big. So... To be completely honest, I am not really surprised that um, Lego decided to make a, uh, a set based off of them because, okay, first of all, I think one of the things I like about Lego is Lego will be like, you know what, let's make a Lego set of something completely random because they kind of are like, let's see what we can do with Legos, you know? They've done a lot of really interesting Lego sets. And so for them to be like, hey, let's make a Lego set featuring BTS, I'm like, that's kind of a fun idea. And like, if you have a girlfriend who like loves BTS, this would be the perfect gift for her. Oh, that's, that would be cute. This also looks like, I think they're um taking like inspiration from some, from their, some of their music videos. So yeah, yep, yep. It's more scenes from the hit songs, music videos, complete with a record store and a donut shop. Oh, it's going to be released on... Okay, it's already been released. It is $100 and it has a figure of all the band members. As um, well as pipe sign scenes from the Grammy so nominated song music video. They can build familiar locations such as the disco, record store, donor shop, basketball port, and ice cream truck, plus a detachable moving stage. Hmm. Yeah, so um, yeah, I'm I'm actually again not really oh, it's by um it's inspired by their uh their YouTube video for Dynamite, which is probably their most popular song. Like, um, I'm, I work at, um, um, a supermarket and while I'm working, I will hear this song. I'll be like, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it starts playing the song and I start singing along with it. And it is in Korean. There are some English words, but it is in Korean. So yeah, again, probably the biggest K-pop band right now. <laughs> and then I think you added this one, oh, right? Oh yeah, John Bernthal is set to return as the Punisher and they'll never burn again on Disney+. Plus. What? Woo -hoo -hoo. Yeah, and, uh, I think from what I'm understanding, people think, say he's the he's been the best um, Punisher. Oh, I haven't seen a Daredevil show yet, but I heard a lot of amazing things. About it's him. good. Mm -hmm. It is really good. Charlie Cox is amazing, and Vincent D'Onofrio is perfect as Kingpin. Like the first time I watched it, I had to do a double take. I'm like, is that who I think it is? Okay. He looks so different. Uh, I just remember something. I remember. Uh, who's the guy who played Daredevil again? Uh, Charlie yeah, Cox. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he, uh, showed up in the Seahawks show when, for some people, reason, people were throwing a hissy fit online about how him and Seahawk had a one-night stand once. And... Wasn't that in the comics, though? It was also in the Seahawks show on Disney Plus as well. And 
Yeah, but I'm pretty sure also in the comics they dated. Oh, wow, really? Wow. I think they did that, because, you know, they're both oh, lawyers. yeah, that does make sense. And uh, for some reason, a lot of people are throwing a hissy fit. It's saying that it, uh, they couldn't mm -hmm. take his character seriously anymore. And I'm like, and one... Because he had sex? I don't know why. But uh, I remember one guy was like, we stand the king who managed to clap those gamma radiated booty cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well, like, cause from from what I remember, I think yeah, they're yeah, they had a they had a brief um romance in the comics. So again, it's not really surprising that you know they did that in the show. But I'm actually really excited for the return of the Daredevil show because I think it's. I do think it's like one of the best Marvel shows. Like, I think probably for me, it's number one right now because I haven't watched all of them. And like I said, Charlie Cox is amazing as Daredevil. Yeah, so far, far my favorite Marvel show is What If with Moon Knight as a close second. Like, I didn't know this also. Charlie Cox is British. Oh, shit, really? I didn't know that. Wow. Yes, and he's also friends with Tom Hiddleston because they both starred in a play together. Oh, wow. And if you ever like want to like look at something really cute on Halloween, Charlie dressed dressed up as Loki and Tom dressed up as Daredevil. Wow. <laughs> uh, I'm really excited for the return yes, of uh, Daredevil, but I'm also really excited to talk about our recommendations because Jad, guess what? Oh, what? I finally watched the new oh, Puss yeah, Boots. Finally! Oh my god, you guys! This film. <laughs> Oh my god, it's so good! <laughs> Holy crap! I, people said this is the best Shrek movie, and I'm like, you know what? I think they're right, because I was like, when I heard that, I'm like, I think for me, Shrek 2 is my favorite. So I was like, that's gonna be a really, you know, tough act to follow, because Shrek 2 has, I think, probably one of the best villains in The Fairy Godmother and Prince Charming, and Jack Horner... Oh my god, Jack Horner is such a great oh, villain. Oh, hilarious. First of all, he's voiced by John Mulaney. Mm -hmm. So already we know it's going to be funny. But his, I think what I liked about Jack Horner is just he's so deliciously evil. And he knows mm -hmm. it. He's not hiding it. And um, another thing is, see, I was watching the film and I was sitting here and I was like, you know what? I don't think anyone does fairy tale reimagined better than the Shrek franchise because I feel like they just I, I'm not sure what it is I think what they're able to do is take stuff that we know from the stories and tweak them a bit to make them interesting oh yeah because like you know the the thing about Puss in Boots Puss in Boots is probably not one of the most rememberable fairy tales because it's more about Puss helping his master the master doesn't really do anything in the story Master is completely useless. It's the it's the cat doing literally yeah. all the work. Like in, in and in the fairy tale, he does slay an ogre. That's you know, and so that makes sense. You know that he's the ogre slayer in the second movie. But it's like they managed to take a character who's sort of not from that most memorable of a fairy tale and make him probably one of the most iconic animated characters ever. And this is also another example of a actor being really good at voice acting because like. I don't think I could imagine anyone else but um, Antonio Banderas being Puss. Uh, yeah. uh, especially with how heavily he was inspired by his role as Sorrow. 
Exactly. Like you, I mean, there's nobody else who can do it, but also, um, uh, Florence Pugh. I still have not seen the Black Widow movie. I know Florence Pugh is really, really big right now. She was really good as Goldilocks. Oh, yeah. She was Goldilocks in the Three Bears Fantastic. Crime Family. And I thought that I was her. I loved them so yeah. much. That was also just really clever, too. And I'm like, I liked that. And also, okay, if you haven't seen the movie, there's a tiny, tiny, itty-bitty spoiler. I just really want to share this part. So the, the main crux is what happens is Puss has used all his eight lives. He's on his ninth one. And Death, which is, this is probably one of the best iterations of Death I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Starts stalking him. Like, Puss, like, all his bravado was gone because, like, Death is this big hulking wolf with these twin sickles. And he is terrifying in this. So Puss is like, uh, you know what? I'm going to go to this, like, uh, home of this crazy <laughs> cat woman and just hide. <laughs> it's really funny, but... um. Goldilocks and the Three Bears, they're, like uh, Jad said, a crime family. They're trying to find the, the map to the last wishing star. They were going to hire Puss in Boots to steal the map from Jack Horner. And so when uh, Puss gets it, uh, Jack Horner and the Three Bears and Goldilocks are following him. And it turns out that what Goldie wants to wish for is a real family. And when she says this to the Bears, they're heartbroken. Now, when they get to the last wishing star, a uh, baby bear, he gets the way the star is set up there's like this big um what do you call platform. it a force field yeah yeah it's there's a platform and then there's a force field around it if anyone goes into the force field they get disintegrated we saw like with one of horner's uh lackeys and baby gets sucked into it mama bear and papa bear are trying so hard to save him and he almost goes through it until um goldie comes she has this like stick she's been using she uses it to like wrap around his like to get it through his um bandana and pulls him down basically sacrificing her wish and i'm like that was such a great scene it was actually unexpected and it's just they did such a good job about of this entire thing the animation the music the new characters the way they integrated the old characters like it's just so good and i think what i like about it is that it doesn't take away from the Shrek franchise. Yeah. It adds to it, mm -hmm. you know? A lot of, like, sequels... Like, we talk about how some of the Disney sequels and the Pixar sequels are not that great. Oh, yeah. Like, I personally don't like Toy Story 4. I kind of ignore oh. it in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> but... What? I kind of like 4. I mean, you're entitled to your opinion, but... The ish, like, I think one of the problems is a lot of, like, sequels in general will not add to the franchise or the original story. Puss and Boots Last Wish adds to it. It's also just really, really pretty. Oh my god, oh, it's so it's pretty. Beautiful. My favorite thing. Okay, last thing. Um, so, uh, Jack Horner's thing is he collects all these magical relics and stuff. So you will notice stuff like from, uh, like he has Mary Poppins bag. He has a bunch of unicorn horns. He has the flying carpet. He has a Phoenix and he has what he thought was a magic locust, but it turns out to be basically Pinocchio's conscience. And this poor cricket is trying to do his best to be Jack Horner's yeah, conscience. He's like a it's not working. Voice, like, uh, well, uh, I don't want to be a downer, Jack, but uh, you lose a lot of people. <laughs> Yeah, and so at the end, 
uh, Jack Horner's trying to put like the, the 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 paper back together so he can get his wish. He's missing a tiny little piece. You see the cricket on the back of the phoenix that Jack abused, and he's like, "Consider this my retirement." And I was like, "That was such a perfect callback." It's just everything about this movie is so good. I love it. Would you believe this is the <laughs> first uh, DreamWorks animated movie that the head of Illumination worked on? That I think really also surprised a lot of people. Yeah. Just because, you know, when you think of Illumination, you think of the Minions. But, I mean, this this was fantastic. It's been doing really, really great. And um, it's nominated for the, uh, the, the Best Animated Film at the Oscars. But it also has some really big competition, too. So, we'll see. But uh, it was it's so good. I actually own it now on Amazon Prime. I've been like rewatching it. It's so yeah, good. The Toast Pinocchio is still my anime favorite anime movie of 2022, but this one's a close second. Mm hmm. Again, last year was a good yeah, year for animation. Me, yeah. It really was. Mm hmm. Now, um, another thing is we were talking about horror. Well, I kind of have, I guess, a soft spot for what people call mascot horror, I guess, because Five Nights at Freddy's sort of falls under that. So. Because of that, I'm a little picky about indie horror games that are obviously sort of trying to do what Five Nights at Freddy's did. Like, you know, you got Bendy and the Ink Machine, which is really good, but then you got stuff like Hello Neighbor, which is god-awful. Mm -hmm. Please don't ever play that game. Just don't waste your money. Um, Puppy's Playtime, which, if I talk about it here, we'll be here all night, so we're not going to get into it. And I forgot where I saw... Oh, there's a, a YouTube channel called Super Horror Bros., and they play a lot of indie horror. And I saw them play this and I was like, this actually looks really interesting because it's about this guy who really wanted to make a show featuring puppets. But he was like, oh, everyone doesn't like understand the art, man, kind of like that. So what does he do? He decides to buy a book of evil magic to bring his puppets to life. <laughs> That's what you do when things don't go your way. So guess what happens? What? The puppets come to life and they're evil. <laughs> oh, oh wait! I think I heard of this movie. At least the first, first one. Uh, is this like Hello a puppets, remake or Midnight a sequel? Show. Oh, it's a prequel. No, it's a video oh, game. It's a prequel to it's the game. It's called Hello Puppets Midnight World, and um, see, it's actually pretty scary because, like, see, it's a, it's a stealth game. So what happens is you get sent to different areas where the puppets are. And it's also kind of creepy because they have taken over the bodies of some of the people this guy worked with and put, like, um bags over their heads. So these poor people are being forced to maneuver the puppets. Uh, so, like, their bodies are really awkward the way they walk. It's actually really creepy. Oh, looking. yeah, this, was, this is a prequel to uh, another game, Hello Puppets, which is like a VR yeah. horror game where... Uh, you you had this uh, puppet shown to your hand. Mm -hmm. And it, it's really good. Like the animation in it is, um, it, it is kind of, it does remind me a little like of Hello Neighbor, but I feel like the art style is a lot more cleaner and crisp. And again, they it's like, I think one of the reasons Five Nights at Freddy's works so well is because it's atmospheric. Like the atmosphere helps set the mood. The atmosphere in this game is really good. And I've been playing, I played it on my stream and then I've been playing it off stream too, just because I've been having so much fun with it. So I recommend it, especially if you do like horror games and like indie horror, and like you want to maybe find something new to play. Hmm. 
Okay, Jad, your turn. Oh, yeah, time for my recommendations. For this one, I'm going back old school. The Music Man. Shippoopy, shippoopy, shippoopy. The girls yeah, are together. Watch Family Guy, that's what that's good as well. It focuses yep. on a con man arriving to a small town, um, claiming he can uh, teach uh, the kids how to perform um, in a marching band. And then, let's see. He's the self-proclaimed Professor Harold Hill. Hill. And let's see. He develops a romance with one girl, but he's having trouble carrying on the con as his... What can I do, my dear, to make it clear? <laughs> I love you madly, madly, madam, my brain. Marion! <laughs> We're both and, musical uh, fans, can you tell? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, he's... He tries to distract the people from um, not knowing about out his con. And at first when the jig is up, the way it's resolved had me cracking up, I admit. It. <laughs> oh yeah, because it, this is an old musical. If you haven't seen it, what the heck have it's you been doing? It's from 1962 and <laughs> it got nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture. The, the kids in the music van, when they come in, they're, so he he tries to you know lead them. They're playing the song, but it is really, really, really bad. But the parents are also proud of their kids. Yeah, I thought that was a hilarious twist. <laughs> it's also kind of cute. They're like our kids are playing in a band. I was like, okay, that that's yeah, that's, that's really it. sweet. It's on HBO Max. I think and this is I, also uh, sorry. You were about to say the original. Yeah, the original one. Yeah. The good one, yeah. <laughs> they did a remake. It's not yeah. that good. <laughs> so if you have an HBO Max For subscription, I consider giving it a watch. Oh yeah, I can. I think it's also considered to be one of the best musicals, like yeah, it's ever, because I know the film con is in Congress. Yes, yes. So I also recommend it because also the the music in it is really iconic and super catchy. You know, again, like, I, I just sang two songs from it. Like, it is, the music is great. So, yeah, I also recommend it. Okay, and on to my next one. Uh, with that, talk about Ralph Baxi's Fritz the Cat last, last time. Uh, I suggest, as my recommendation is uh, TV special he directed, The Butter Battle Book. You know what? I don't think I've seen this one. Yeah, for those of you who are too young to remember, the Butter Battle Book is written by Dr. Seuss in his later years. It focuses on these two fictional towns divided by a border wall, uh, and also divided by the ideology. One town, um, the butters the toast bottom side down, while the other one butters the toast upside, uh, right side up. And because of that tiny, minor, insignificant difference, they are at conflict with each other. Yep, there's a whole wall, and they are constantly, like, trying to... One uh, up the other with different you know, weapons. Like, yeah. And mm -hmm. then I remember the ending fucked me up as a kid. Like, I thought, oh my god, what happened next? Uh, which one's gonna drop the weapon and on the other one first? Which was kind of point, because at the time I didn't know it was a commentary on the Cold War or conflict. Mm -hmm. and, and the arms race. And I remember a lot of conservatives freaked out about it, trying to get it banned from a lot of schools and libraries, and oh, how history really? repeats itself, yeah. 
that I find super ironic because they all flipped off with flipped up. Um, they all freaked out because recently uh, the Dr. Seuss company has decided to stop printing some of their books because of mm-hmm. incense, like insensitive um, racial depictions. Yeah. And they were all really angry about that. Yeah. But you know what? That actually kind of doesn't surprise me that much. Yeah. And uh, oh, yeah, this book was. Also, oh, so inspired some plot elements in the second season of the Netflix cartoon Green Eggs and Ham. Yep, it's basically the same thing. Um, the characters from the first season are in the um, land with the Yooks and the Zooks. That's what they call mm-hmm. the characters who are in this conflict, and they get wrapped up in it too. Yeah, and uh, in about let's see, what year was it? Uh, 1989, Ralph Bakshi uh, directed an animated made-for-chief face special based on the book with uh, songs and lyrics by Dr. Seuss as well. And uh, Oh, so he got to work with Dr. Yeah. Seuss. That's actually really and, cool. And uh, Seuss himself considered the uh, special to be the most faithful adaptation of his work. That's probably true. Because some of the other ones I know they had to add stuff just to make it, like, you know, run a certain... Like a certain length. Oh, yeah. So that kind of makes sense. Yeah. I need to check that one out because I don't think I've seen oh, that one. Oh, it's great. And you won't believe it was directed by Ralph Bakshi. Yeah. So that's another... This is another episode where we really didn't talk that much about our uh, subject matter just because there was not a lot to talk about. However, next week, we'll have a lot to talk about with Pinocchio oh. and the Emperor of the Night. And the reason, yeah, the reason we'll have a lot to talk about is because um, the Disney lawyers might have been involved. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Okay, but in the meantime, I'm Rudy. That's Chad. We will see you guys next time. Bye. Hi, everybody. End of show. Rudy here. Just wanting to say thank you for listening and thank you for supporting us. If you would like to support us more, please share the podcast. It would really mean the word to me and Chad. Also, um, you can write reviews wherever you can, like on Apple Podcasts and stuff like that. And again, just share us with your friends if you think we're funny or we're sharing. Once again, thanks for your support. And we will continue to watch really bad and weird cartoons. Bye.